Welcome to Faith Center Foursquare Church's Message of the Week. For more information on the church or ministry, head on over to our website, eurekafaithcenter.org, or find us on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, I want to ask you guys, um, I don't know if you've seen this, so I'm going to ask you. Have you seen like all of the division that's being created across the United States? Has anybody noticed that? Yeah. <laughs> Like uh, the political wars that we see day after day, like all this stuff that's happening. And I can, and I can tell you I've been around long enough to, uh, to have seen uh, many political fights from the left or from the right, whatever it is. Uh, all of the, I'm sure you've seen them too, all of the disparaging commercials. It's just dragging another human being through the mud. But it, it seems like um, it's always been a deal, right? It's always has. It's always been a deal. But it seems like something intensified moving into the 2016 election, and it was crazy what happened there. And then, and then the pandemic hit, right, in 2020. And, and, in, and in the past, in the past when uh, something tragic has hit the United States, and I think probably the most recent thing that I can think of to pull back would be like the 9-11 attacks, um, we, the people, rallied around each other, right? What happened there is it unified us. It was like we've got one enemy, one mission. Uh, however, that didn't, act, that didn't happen with the pandemic. It was crazy. Uh, actually, it was the exact opposite. Instead of rallying people together, it created even more division. And so it was a little, it was a little odd to me that that was the case and that was happening. That this was a global thing and we kinda, I kind of thought that we would be able to rally around that together. And then, and then we here, we at the church, we, um, we don't only see it, right, in culture and the world around us. Here's, here's the deal. We even see it inside the church. Like, like we see it happening. Like we see Christians complaining about other Christians. And we see Christians making YouTube videos about other ministries that they disagree with. And all I can think of, like when I see all this stuff happening, all I can think of is, how is this affecting Father God? Like when he's watching all of this unfold. Uh, I've told you guys this before that Kathleen and I moved to Houston in uh, mid-20s, right? We were mid-20s and we moved to Houston. And for the first year, we were just kind of chilling and bouncing around a little bit, getting to know the city. And then, and then we finally landed. We landed uh, in an Assemblies of God church. Uh, in Katy, Texas, and that's where we landed. Both of us got on staff there. We worked full-time, but we got on staff, and uh, that's a, really a, how a lot of churches operate, and, and they paid us like $100 or something a month or something, but we, we worked during the day. So we would have staff meetings, and they would be like at 7 o'clock at night and so forth because that's how you had to do it. And we got on there, and I was over just a number of things. I was a part of the teaching team, but I was over... Uh, I was over young adults ministry, and then I was also over small groups and different things. Kathleen was more also on the teaching team, but more so on uh, the executive side and uh, with the admin stuff, and then also also with children. So like she was in, heavily involved in children's and youth. And our lead pastor, which is not very not a very charismatic guy, he kind of had more of like a professor approach, and. And, uh, and it was fine, uh, but, it w but there wasn't, also there wasn't great leadership there. And so it was kind of one of those places where Kathleen and I are like, we're here and this is where God has us, but we're kind of learning what not to do in some situations. You've been there? 
And so, uh, but that was fine. It was a, we were young and it was a great time of growth. Uh, but then there was this traveling evangelist. He was actually out of San Antonio and he came in uh, to the church and uh, just kind of wowed everybody with his style and the things that he did. He's very charismatic and, uh, and just fun, funny, all the things. And, and so when that happened, uh, the lead pastor was like, hey, what would you think about just settling in here for a while and being my associate pastor and we can... You know, you could be on team with us. You could be like our teaching. Like you could do every Wednesday night. You could do some of the, some of the Sundays and uh, you'll just be a great addition to our team because he was literally the opposite of what the lead was. So you think, okay, that's cool. That's a good move. And so uh, we bring him on. We're doing stuff. And what you could begin to see happen and what began to unfold is that this guy was starting to create networks. This associate pastor was starting to create networks within the church with the intention of taking over the church. And one, after one of those staff meetings, I can't remember why, but both of us ended up being a little bit later, and we were the last ones in the parking lot to leave. And we are the last ones to go. And uh, we were out there, and he goes, hey, hey, I want to ask you something. And, and remember, I'm like 26, and he's like 45 or something. I don't know, right? Like, I'm just like... I'm learning from you and all your, like, I am, I am being taught, right? And so he comes to me and he says, hey, how do you think, and I don't want to say names, how do you think uh, the lead pastor is doing? And I was like, oh, uh, I don't know, he's, he's doing fine. And he's like, what do you think, what do you think could be better? Oh, I don't, I, I don't know. And immediately the Holy Spirit began to check me. Something's going on here. And he started to unload. He tried to get me to engage, but I would not engage. And so he just said, forget it. And he went all in and he began to say all the things that should be better and he could do it. And I, and, and I don't know, like, how, why, <laughs> why, God, am I in this situation? Like, why am I? And there was more that happened there that Kathleen and I had to deal with that was later. Um, but I'm like, why am I in this? I, I should be learning from this guy, and I literally, like, just there with the Holy Spirit, and I put some of these scriptures up on the screen for you. It was just like, well, First, first Chronicles 16.22, man, says, do not touch my anointed ones. Do not harm my prophet. I, uh, it's talking about, that's actually from David, and I began to talk about how David did that, how David would not touch Saul. He said, yeah, Saul, this guy is trying to kill my life, but I won't do it because that is God's appointed leader, and I'm not going to touch him. And it's, we can read about it in Romans 13. If you just open up Romans 13, it's the first couple of verses. For there is no authority except from God, right? God is the ultimate authority. There is no authority except from God. All the authorities that exist are appointed by him. He's the one that placed them there. He placed them there. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. Like, I could go down a whole thing with you on this, okay? Seriously, we could. If we want to talk, talk about the things that are happening in the world, we could go down this. And those, and those who resist will bring judgment upon themselves. And I, and I shared that with him. 
uh, and he, and he uh, sloughed it off, said whatever, started dancing his way out of it, and never did anything with it again. I talked to the senior pastor. I was like, listen, here, man, 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 this is like real, man. This is going on. And lo and behold, that thing, uh, although it didn't fall apart, but a ton of people went off to be with this other guy. And it just drives me crazy. And, I, and it makes me wonder, how is this affecting Father? Paul actually lives it out in Acts 23. He lives it out. It's amazing. Um, he's, in, he's in this uh, Jewish courtroom, and it says Paul, Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin, right, the group of leaders that were there, and he says, my brothers, I have fulfilled my duty. This is Paul talking. I have fulfilled my duty uh, to God in all good conscience to this day. At this, the high priest ordered that those standing near Paul to strike him on the mouth. And then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. Like that's church cussing, by the way, <laughs> if you didn't know that. So next time you're feeling it, you just call somebody whitewashed wall. <laughs> Paul did it. He says, he says, you sit there to judge me according to the law. You, viol- uh, you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck. And then check this out, verse 4. The way this closes out is amazing. Those standing uh, near Paul, they said, How dare you insult God's high priest? Watch verse 5. Paul replied, Oh no. I did not realize that he was the high priest. He begins to ask for forgiveness and apologies. For it is written, do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. That's found in Exodus 22. So what I want to do today is I just want to make this passionate, faith-filled appeal that the Apostle Paul made to the believers in Corinth. And this is what he said, and it's in your outline, and it's on the screen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, he says, I appeal to you. I, he says, I beg you. I urge you. I plead with you, my brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, that there may be, watch this, that there may be no divisions among you. Will you just say that? that there may be no divisions among you, but that you you be perfectly united in mind and thought. He said, I beg you, I'm pleading with you, I urge you that there would be no divisions in the family of God and that you could be united in mind and thought. And Paul uses uh, this word that is in the Greek, the word for divisions is the word schisma. Schisma means to uh, a split, right? It means division. It means a schism, a ripping or a tearing apart. And if I could just kind of illustrate this, I don't actually have a physical illustration, but if I could just illustrate this with just your visual, and if you could just grab a visual of a, a photo of Jesus, like your favorite photo of Jesus, or maybe it's uh, the three crosses on the hill or something, and, 
and you just picture this thing, and, and if you're picturing this, and Paul's basically just saying, I beg you, I beg you, I plead with you that there would be no schisms, that there would be no division, no ripping or tearing apart. And every time that we, the body, every time that we, the body, that we would, that we would fight and that we would argue with one another, essentially what we're doing is you can take that photo or whatever it is and you begin to rip it in half. Like you could just tear it in half because that's what you're doing. And we can argue and we're just ripping this unity apart and you could just continue. You could just stack it on top of each other and just continue to rip it and rip it and rip it. Just tearing tearing our faith that unites us to be a light in a dark world. And whenever we fight, whenever we argue, whatever is happening there, on these little smaller issues, they, they divide us from the primary mission. And it is essentially a tearing, a ripping apart of the body of Christ. And Paul's begging us, and then Jesus prays it. Jesus prays that this would be the case for you and I, for the believers. In the, in the first half of John 17 of his prayer, it's about the disciples that were with him right then. It's for those disciples. And then the second part is, it says, and for all believers, because then he goes into this whole part about, I want, I want you to even understand, uh, I'm going to pray this now, Father, for those to come, for those that are going to hear the message for, Acts, for the book of Acts and for those that are going to hear it as the church grows and explodes, I'm going to pray for them as well. And here's what it says. For, verse 20. I pray also uh, for those who will believe in me through their message. He's talking about the disciples. That, that, they, uh, that all of them may be, what's that word? Everybody in the family of God, that they would be one. Why? So that they may be brought to complete unity, that we would be unified around the truth and the mission of Jesus. What would happen if we were unified? Jesus says this, watch this. What's going to happen if we do this, if we unify and we rally around together for, for one mission? What is it? Here's what it says. The world will know that you sent me and that I've loved them, even as you have loved me. So how does the world know? Like, how does the world know of you and I in unity, moving together in God's mission and what he has for us? That's how it happens. It's absolutely incredible. So how do we do it? What is it that we need to do? How does the church, uh, how do we unify in the church? And so I put a couple of things in your outline. I want you to write these down. Here's the first one. Uh, one enemy will help us unite. The, the Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians uh, 6.12. He says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. In other words, we have to recognize the battle that we are facing is not against other people. It's just not. Amen. It's not against other people. Paul says, actually, what he says is it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. It's against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Please hear me. Please hear me. We have to understand that the church down the street, they're not our enemy. We're on the same team. Those that use a different version of the Bible, they're not our enemy. Absolutely not. 
those who have a different style, version, or whatever, experience of, of worship, they're not our enemy. The person who votes different from you I'm meddling a little bit in your Facebook stuff right now. <laughs> the, person, the person with di- different skin color is not your enemy. The person with a different background or they enjoy different music or they dress differently, you think it's odd. Or they express themselves in different ways, you think it's odd. They're not your enemy. Not one of them. We have one enemy. It's Satan. The devil. He is the prince of darkness. He is the father of lies. He is the great deceiver. Jesus called him a thief. In John 10.10, he said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil, Lucifer, Satan, wants to steal our unity. He wants to kill our churches. And he wants to destroy our witness of light in that dark world. But if we can stand united, if we could stand united around the truth, around the mission of Jesus Christ, then we would be unstoppable. We would become an unstoppable force. Could you imagine if we stopped bickering with one another? We got the same God, the same spirit that has blessed us. It blows my mind. But when we're divided, we become weak. We're ineffective. And one of the strongest unifying forces is that one enemy unites us. And if we'll understand that, if we'll understand that that enemy, the devil, is attacking the body of Christ, that that enemy, the devil, is attacking our nation, and if we can recognize that and know that's where our effort goes, Our effort goes to the enemy, not the others. So what can unite us as followers of Christ? One enemy, and then here's the second one. Write this down. One mission. One mission. The mission unites us. Jesus said, after he suffered brutally on the cross, he looked up to heaven, he said, Father, Uh, into your hands, I commit my spirit, shed his blood, gave his life, and then he rose again three days later, and then he's out with his disciples and others, and the last thing that he speaks to them, the last thing that he talks to his disciples is he gives them their calling. He gives them their mission. He gives you and I our divine assignment. This is what he says. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what you do. That's what you do. That's who you are. That's your mission. That's what you stand for. That's the calling of the church. The ecclesia. The called out ones. That's what it is. One mission. One mission to help people know of the life-giving love and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. But you know what happens? Sadly, what do people think? What if just a normal, average Joe? Anybody know anybody like that? Just a normal, average Joe. 
Joe Hayes just raised his hand in the back, by the way. <laughs> just somebody in the world. It doesn't matter who it is. Just somebody. And you ask them, what do you think about the church? <laughs> what I mean what is the what is the church known for? Some some people would say it's known, you know, for their traditions. They would say some something like that. And they could maybe go through their traditions. They may they may even talk about the architectural structure, uh historical buildings and some of the beautiful things that have been built. Um some some people talk about style, right? Like, uh, oh, the, this church is traditional, or this church is liturgical, or this church is uh, contemporary. Uh, they actually have a really cool worship leader with uh, skinny jeans and boots and great hair and tattoos, you know, whatever. You know I'm describing our worship leader, right? <laughs> the people at the nine o'clock were like, what is he talking about? So often, what do they say about us? They talk about the things that we're against. Oh, well, they don't like this, and they don't believe in that, and they don't go there, or they don't associate with that type of person. And too often, that's what people think about the church. They tend to think about what we're against. But what, what, what would happen if we could begin to change that and show them what we're for and everything that we're for. For love and grace and mercy and compassion and justice and generosity. And the Bible gives us a great example of this in John 13, verses 34 and 35. Here's, here's what Jesus says. He says, a new command that I give you to love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. What's going to happen? By this, will you guys say this one out loud with me? Ready, go. By this, everyone will know that you are my... If you love one another, how are they going to know? How are they going to know? If you love. If love is dominant in your life. Wouldn't it be amazing if people would talk about Christians, like they would talk about churchgoers and they would say... Things like, you know, did you see that person, how they forgave? What if they said stuff like that? Could you imagine? Did you see the grace that they displayed and how they handled it? It's mind-blowing the way that they treat another person after they've been treated or what, like the whole thing. Could you just see it unfolding like that? How incredible would that be? They're always full of grace. They're always full of compassion. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. These Christians, I don't completely agree with all the things that they believe, but they always stand with the oppressed. And they always give to those that are hurting. What would it be like? What would it be like if people saw us as people who live by faith, are known by love, and are a voice of hope? Paul, Paul said this, and it's so important, in Romans chapter 15. In Romans chapter 15, verses 5, 6, and 7, 
May the God who gives you endurance, anybody need endurance? I need endurance. May the God who gives you endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind, who, towards who? Each other that Christ Jesus had. How, what? So that, here it is again, with one mind and one voice, you may glorify God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind, with one voice, united in mission to share the love of Jesus. How do we do it? Like, how do we do it? How do we do that practically, like in everyday life, when you go to work, when you're on social media, when you're dealing with very complicated people? How do you do it? When there's so much pain and there's so much anger and there's so much hurt in this world, how do you unite in one voice? And Paul goes on to say this. Are you ready? Accept one another. Just as Christ accepted you. How do you do it? You accept one another. Just as Christ accepted you. In order to bring praise to God. Check this out. Please see this. You want to you glorify God? You want to bring praise to him? You want to bring praise to him? And glory? How do you do it? By accepting others around you. That's how we do it. I mean, we could be here with our worship team and we could do all the things that we do, but the scripture says you will bring honor and glory to Father God when you accept and love one another. Wow! How am I living, man? Like, am I doing it? I want to. 